Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. I'm looking forward to the message today, but I want to just say to you that my hope, my prayer, has been that the Holy Spirit would just grant you a gift today, uh, regardless of what you know, words I use to try to form the picture of my, my heart and my hope is that the Holy Spirit would deposit for you the gift of peace today um, in, in your circumstance. Um, and again, it's as varied as the number of people in this room, isn't it? Um, but we need, a, we need peace at this time in our lives. Um, and I want to believe with you for that peace. Um, maybe you're a newcomer, newcomer to Canada newcomer to Victoria. Uh, Maybe, you know, we have some uh, wonderful people who have made their way here to safety from the Ukraine. Uh, Maybe you're here this morning. Welcome. Um, Maybe you're new to us. Maybe you've come today with burdens. I I would just say that my, my heart, my prayer has been that you would leave with the gift of peace that comes in the person of Jesus. So receive that today and may the Lord bless you as we just uh, desire that together today. I am continuing in our series um, that's called For the King. And today uh, I want to talk about, um, about the gift. One of the gifts that was given to Jesus was uh, frankincense. We're going to talk a little bit about that and connect that with one of the offices of Jesus. So we'll get there in just a minute. Let me start with you in Isaiah verse seven or chapter 7, verse 14. It says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign... The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so just, you know, reach back 600 years before Jesus was born and grab onto that for yourself. Um, God came to us. It's worth pausing over, isn't it? It's wonderful. It's wonderful that God would care so much about us that he would come to us as a helpless child. It's wonderful. And sometimes the wonder of it all gets lost in the repetition of year after year, singing the Christmas carols or whatever. But could we just together hold that in the tenderness and the love that it was given to us as a gift? God came. God came to us. Um, and, And how wonderful that is. God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. God with us. You know, what that really says to us is that perfection came into our imperfection. Into the mess of our world, what's perfect arrived. Into the imperfect human, God delivered himself so that what was imperfect could have the mark of perfection in Jesus. Now, I think it's a really powerful thought to consider the offices of Jesus in his earthly ministry. Everything he did was perfect. And we've talked about these three offices. I brought them up last week. I'll just reference them again so that we can keep moving. But basically, the three earthly ministry offices of Jesus are that he is prophet, priest, and king. 
perfect prophet, priest, and king. Today, we're going to look at that second role, the, the role of prophet, member or of priest. Prophet, we talked about last week when we talked about myrrh and about the suffering of life. And today, I want to talk about priest, the priest, Jesus as priest. Now, the prophet would bring God to the people. He'd hear from God and tell the people. The priest, his role is to bring, bring the people to God. And so, you know, we had a worship team up here. They're singing. They're inviting us. They're, they're playing a priestly role. They're saying, come on, let's go to God together. Let's sing these songs. Let's lift our voices. Let's, let's pray. Let's praise. That's the invitation to come. And, and, and so Jesus is a priest, but he's a perfect priest. And then, of course, there is his kingly role, which we'll talk about next week in our, the culmination of our series on the Sunday before Christmas. We'll talk about his kingly role. But the king's role is an, he's an agent of God to bring righteous rule to the earth. So we'll talk about that next week. But this week, let's talk about this priest. You know, there was a survey that was done recently that kind of outlined major views of God for those who are um, uh, believers that God exists. Now, I'd, I wouldn't suggest this to be a Christian survey, but it was those, you know, among those who believe in God, there's kind of three major views of who God is. And the first one is this, is that God is authoritative. And the underlying thought of that is that God majors on judgment and looks to punish us in order to teach us lessons. That's kind of the first view. God is authoritative. He's both judgmental and he's a God who punishes. There, there's another view that many would hold of God, and that's that God is critical. God is critical. In other words, God judges us, but he also doesn't get involved. He just stands back and looks and makes assessments. And a third view of God that many people hold is that God is distant. That maybe he's not judgmental, but he's certainly not near. He's disengaged from our lives. And so the bottom line of this is that if you were to take those three major views of God and put it together, that's about 71% of the people surveyed. And so 71% of the people that were surveyed viewed God as harsh, controlling, and aloof. It's quite interesting, isn't it? What about you? How do you view God? How do you see God from your vantage point? What's your view of God? Well, when we enter the Christmas story, it actually reminds us of a truth, that Jesus arrived on earth to make a way for us to know God personally as a loving, engaging, and generous father. So that's a different storyline, isn't it? That's a different view of God. It's such a different view of God. And it's really where, in my opinion, peace lies for us. And we find it in the Christmas story. So let's look again at our key verse for the series. It comes from Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. It says this. Um, let me just preface. This is the story of the wise men. They arrive at the house where Jesus is living. And here's what it says. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Last week, we talked about myrrh connected to his role as a suffering prophet. Today, I want to talk about frankincense connected to the role of Jesus as priest. Now, 
When we think about frankincense, um, we have to see it uh, for what it is. It is a amazingly fragrant aroma. Like, it's lovely. I have some uh, anointing oil from the Holy Land that I use when I pray for people who are sick. And it has frankincense in it. And the smell is wonderful. Usually before I pray for someone, I have them smell it because the aroma is so pleasing. It's just so lovely. So if you want to smell better, come and I'll, I'll pray for you, okay? Um, but, but I just think it's important to recognize that in its use, in its, you know, kind of its ancient form, it was incense. So it was something that was burned and the smell was fragrant. And this incense was burning in the temple, and it was burnt as a way of showing and expressing worship. And so I want you to see it as part of, you know, what we did today. We pray, we worship, and the Bible speaks about that as being like a fragrant offering that enters into the presence of God. God breathes that in and it's pleasing to him. So you see the connection. Come on, let's go to God. Come on, let's worship God. Let's offer our fragrance to him. Let's offer our frankincense to him. That worship is that aroma that rises in prayer and in praise. And, and it was given to Jesus by those magi, those wise men. It was given to, the, to him to honor his priestly role. This word priest in the Greek is pontifex, and it means bridge builder. It means to build a bridge between God and man. That was the role of the priest. Can I tell you a joke? I love it. I can say, can I tell you a joke? And some of you laugh. That's really great. I mean, you're primed, you know? It's so good. So even my jokes are lame. It's so good. So, okay, this is a joke. There's no theology in it. Please don't, don't uh, take any theology out of this. So a man is walking on the beach. <laughs> a lot of good jokes start that way. He's walking down the beach and he's praying. He's in California. If I was in California, I'd be praying too. He's praying on the beach in California. Could pray a whole lot of things. But anyway, he was, as he was praying, he said to God, God, can you just grant me one wish? And all of a sudden the sky goes dark and the clouds come in, you know, and, and it, it gets a little, the wind blows and then a voice comes out and God says, you've been a pretty good guy. So I'm going to give you one wish. So he says, God, here I am standing on the beach in California. Would you please just build a bridge between California and Hawaii so I can drive there anytime I want? And God responds to the man and says to him, listen, that's a very materialistic request. Like it takes a lot of steel and concrete to build a bridge to Hawaii. Now I can do it, but I really can, I would consider you know, asking you, think of something a little more deep, a little more, you know, like, let's get to the heart here. And so he thinks for a minute, he says, okay, God, God, my wife tells me I'm so insensitive. And so I, God, could you just help me understand her feelings? Do you help me just, you know, know what she's thinking, why she's crying when she cries? And God, would you please Help me to understand what she means when she says, if you don't get it, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> so while he's praying, he's waiting for the response of God, and God says, do you want two lanes or four lanes? <laughs> Some bridges are easier to build than others. Amen? Yeah. You know... 
if I can now take us back into a spiritual context. You know, and you'll see this through the rest of the message. Jesus is a perfect priest. He's a perfect bridge builder. And the beautiful thing about the bridge that he built for us is he actually is the bridge. He's not the bridge builder, just. He is the bridge. Jesus became the one who removes the distance, who fulfills the righteous standard of a holy God, who takes the judgment for us, who makes a personal relationship with our creator possible. Can we just pause and say thank you, Jesus, for that? Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for us as our perfect priest. He introduces us to a new way of relating to God, this New Testament grace. And, and wow, how, how wonderful is that? You know, in the Old Testament, we see this old way that the, the priest would be the bridge builder. You know, the high priest was the one who could go into the presence of God only once a year. And he would bring with him the, the shed blood of an animal, and he would sprinkle that blood around. And, and for us, that seems really weird and gross. But the point of it was to understand that God in his holiness and man in his sinfulness needed a way to atone. And this was the way we bring the blood of this innocent lamb to God and say, God, we're here and we're guilty. Cover our guilt. And what that would actually do is that would roll the sin over for another year. So it's almost like, okay, you're back to zero. And then all year long, there's just this accumulative deficit. And then the priest goes in again and brings you back to zero. And so you see that the system itself is meant to show you it's impossible. It's impossible to measure up to a holy God's standard. And so therefore, we have this gap. Therefore, we need the priest. But the beautiful thing about Jesus is he comes as a perfect priest. I, I want to give you a scenario that will help you hold on to what I'm saying. It's like making interest-only payments for your whole life. What does that mean? Your debt is still there. The load, the weight, the responsibility of repayment is still there. And so that's the Old Testament structure. So God feels distant. He feels dangerous. He feels unapproachable. He feels angry. There's no relationship. It's just fear. Just trying to get back to zero all the time. Just always trying to get back to, to, to zero. And you know what I've noticed? Is that maybe it's because, you know, for a number of reasons, but many people even today feel like not only is God angry, but that God is angry with them. And they live within a lack of understanding of what the freedom for us as New Testament believers really is. They live a little bit attached to an old way. And where does this belief come from? I think maybe it comes from church, where we have felt that there was a need to kind of uh, do better than we're doing. And, and maybe what we heard was not what was said, or, or maybe what we heard is what was said. I, I've talked to people who've come from churches where what they felt was a load of guilt upon them, a you must do better kind of way, um, a, a sense that you, you're not going to actually get it right. 
And some people are dealing with personal pains. Maybe there's been rejection and that rejection has attached them somehow to God's displeasure. Or, or maybe it was a parent that was difficult to please and so that role in your life has now left you in a certain space. But you know, I hear people rehearse lies that the enemy would give them that would say things like, God will never accept me because I'm a problem and I don't really understand grace. I can't accept what I've done. How could God accept what I've done? Others would say, I'm not doing enough for God. I should do more. I ought to do more. Some would say, my dad was mad, so God must be mad as well. Others might say, God couldn't possibly forgive me for what I've done. And others would say, God is punishing me for what I've done. I'm, you know, that's it. I've done bad things and now I'm getting it. Can I just go on record with you? And can I just give you the grace of Jesus today? God isn't mad at you. He is not angry with you. And Christmas actually proclaims that there's a new way to view and relate to God. Jesus paid the debt. You're not doing interest-only payments. The debt is gone. That's how Jesus handles things. Amen? You know, the old way doesn't work, but there's a promise of a new way. And, and this, this shows up in the Old Testament. God foretold it through the prophet Jeremiah. Another, um, another place in Scripture, 600 years before Jesus. Listen to what it says here. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors. This is the covenant I will make. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will, there, will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest and listen, here's grace, friends. I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sin no more. No more. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. He is the bridge builder of a new covenant. It's a promise from God here that God himself will come, Emmanuel, God with you, so that you can know him, so everybody can know him from the least to the greatest. And so the Magi bring this gift of frankincense saying, yeah, we're bringing it. And in this prophetic moment, we're laying it before this baby, but we're seeing a promise fulfilled. We're seeing a promise starting. It's beginning today. And see, Jesus can bring man and God together because he is God and man. Perfectly, perfectly uniting the brokenness back into wholeness. Jesus is God with us. He's a perfect priest. You know, this last year I got to meet a pretty neat guy. His name is, is uh, Father Matthew, and he is an Orthodox priest. And he's a lot of fun. And we've become friends. And uh, it's kind of funny. I was sitting in a meeting with a bunch of our staff, and I said, I got to go. My priest is here. And talk about scratching their heads, right? Uh, you know, He's a wonderful man, but he's not perfect. He's not a perfect priest. Um, and I need a perfect priest. Sorry, Father Matthew, you're a wonderful friend, but you're not a perfect priest. But Jesus is. Jesus brings perfection into the old system, fulfilling it and, and setting it aside. In fact, 
This is what the scriptures say in Hebrews 4 about that. It says, for we do not have a high priest, you know, the one who goes in once a year to to do the ritual, to roll the sin over, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus is a perfect priest, absolutely perfect. Let us then, because of his perfection, not because of yours, Because of his perfection, let us then approach God's throne of what? Grace. Grace. Not the throne of lightning bolts and damnation. It's the throne of grace. That's the throne that we get to approach because of Jesus. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with what? Confidence, friends. Not fear, but confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So this perfect priest is perfectly divine and fully human. And so he does what no one else could do. When Jesus arrived, grace and mercy arrives with him. And now we have confidence instead of fear. Praise the Lord. No longer is it one man once a year who goes in to roll it over. Now we have full access, all of us, full access as followers of Jesus to the presence of God. So how in the world is that possible? How could things change so dramatically? How did this happen? Well, I I shared with you already that the old way was to bring sacrifice But Hebrews teaches us that Jesus didn't offer a sacrifice. He offered himself. And that's what I mean. He's not just the bridge builder. He's not just the bridge builder. He's the bridge. He's the actual bridge. Why? Because he offers himself. So our perfect priest becomes a perfect sacrifice for us. Thank you, Jesus. Man, that's wonderful news. Somebody did what I could never do for myself. And why are we, you know, some of you are going like, thanks, Andy, for the history lesson. Thanks for, you know, for taking us on this journey. What's the point? You know, you, you only truly know how good it is when you realize how bad it was. Amen? I am so thankful that I don't live under the law. I'm so thankful that I live in a New Testament grace. I'm so thankful for what Jesus has done because the old system said, Andy, you got to do, do, do. And then Jesus stands up and says, Andy, it's done, done, done. And that's the change I needed. Thank you, Jesus. I can struggle and try to get it right, but the one thing is I know that if, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. So are you a Christian? Then his grace makes you new. You're a child of a new covenant. You're brand new in Jesus. And that's good news for you, friend. So, Because Jesus is our perfect priest, I want to give you just three thoughts here. Number one, he leads us to a perfect place. Let's keep going in this verse where where, uh, Paul declares that we're new creations. This is what it says in the next verse. It says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. 
Oh, so you are reconciled through Christ. So that's the place you line up. That's the place you live. You live in Jesus. You live in his grace and in his mercy. The rest of your life is definitely the best of your life because he offers you an abundant life. Jesus said to you, I've come to give you life abundantly. That's why I'm here. It's for you to have abundant life. And not only this place God perfects for you, but heaven. Heaven. That's your reward, friend. That's your reward. And Jesus offers you that reward. He provides, he leads us to a perfect place. He provides perfect peace. Probably the most important part of this message in my heart. You see, do you understand? Do you understand that without Jesus, there is no hope? And so we look around our world and we see how hopeless it is. You know, you talk to people and they fake hope. It's just optimism. It's just pull up your bootstraps and have a good day kind of stuff. But friends, the only place where there's deep abiding hope is when you understand that a perfect priest has brought you perfect peace. It can't be touched by world events. Can't be touched by recessions. COVID can do its worst, but as a Christian, you still have hope. You still have peace. You still have it, friends. Why? Because God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. So listen, you can sit down and have the very worst day. I just sent the video team for a loop. They weren't ready for that. You can sit and have the worst day possible. You can be so overwhelmed by life and problems. You can see financial pressures on every side. You can face health crisis. You can face relational breakdown. This world, you will have trouble, Jesus said. But you know one thing you can always say? My sins have been forgiven. My eternity is secure forever and always. I belong to Jesus. And friends, that is such good news. And so although the message is simple, may it bring you great peace today because the perfect priest has brought you perfect peace. Amen? Amen. And the third thing I'm going to share with you is that he gives you a purpose in your life. Is this graceful? Not really. (laughs) He gives you a perfect purpose. You know, this verse goes on talking about how the work that God has done. And then it says, and guess what? There's joy because you get to be a part of this work too. Look at what this next little section says. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That's why there's a joy in sharing with you today. I'm telling you the good news about what Jesus has done. And we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. God created us with a purpose. And when we stand in the midst of whatever circumstance and say, yeah, but I know where my eternity lies. I know where there's hope that can't be touched. I know what real peace feels like. That you become a great ambassador for Jesus. And you have gifts, you have talents, and they're fun to use. 
And God knows that. So use them for his glory, for his glory. You know, Christmas helps us see the work of Jesus so clearly. It really does. That's why I love Christmas so much. You know, because Christmas is this picture of the baby in the manger. Um, I have this joy of having a little granddaughter. She's the cutest kid in the whole wide world. That's what every grandpa would say. She's wonderful. She's 15 months. She toddles around. She babbles. She tries to say the words that you say to her. She, if you do something that she laughs at, she'll do it 10 more times, right? But here's the thing I noticed, is when she's in the room, all eyes are on her. She's captivating. Is she trying to be captivating? No. She's just precious. And we're drawn to her. And so that's why Jesus came as a baby. It's not hard to get your eyes on the baby. It's not hard to get your heart warmed by the baby. And so Jesus comes as a baby in the manger so that we would be naturally drawn to him. He's precious. There's no fear in that. There's no, no sense of aloofness. It's just a precious baby. There's no distance. Because Jesus came, Emmanuel, he came. He came to be touched, to be held, to be seen, to be heard. Do you understand the vulnerability of that picture? It's what makes him so precious. It's what makes the advent so precious is that this is what God used to build a bridge to you. It's amazing. In the words of Walter Wang Wangren, he was writing about Jesus coming into the womb of Mary and he speaks from Jesus' perspective. He says, I'll make the woman herself my door. However, could she be afraid of something lowly under her ribs? I'll be the baby walk, waking in her womb. And then when I come, my voice will be so dear to her. It shall call the tenderness out of her soul and the loveliness out of her face. The arrival of Jesus is lovely and precious and tender and so dear to us. God arrives in this way, and yet he is our perfect priest, our perfect bridge builder. I want to pray with you. Will you bow with me for just a moment? The work of Jesus is so important to us. This priest that brings people to God. Listen, today, let Jesus be your perfect priest. There are those of you that would say, you know what? God has always been distant, always been aloof, always been a little dangerous. I'm not sure about that. Not sure about your relationship. Listen, Jesus came to earth as a baby so that you would be drawn to him. Listen, let Jesus be your perfect priest. Invite Jesus into your life today. Welcome him. He came so far to reach to you. And even now from his throne in glory, he wants to come and reside in you. And you in him. 
There may be some here today that say, you know what, I've been trying to follow Jesus. And, and Andy, you got it right. I'm victimized by the enemy's lies. I have this sense in my heart that God will never accept me. I'm not doing enough. He couldn't possibly forgive me. I'm sure he's punishing me because of the wrong I've done. Listen, would you just let the grace of Jesus Christ wash over you today? Like a beautiful cleansing wave. Just let the grace of Jesus Christ wash over you. Stop trying to be perfect. Jesus knows you can't be perfect. And hear me say this, you are fully loved, fully forgiven, and perfect in God's sight because of Jesus. Receive him today. Receive him today. Receive the work of your perfect priest. For others of you today, there have been near challenges in your life. Problems, complexities, heaviness, there's been busyness and drama and challenge. You feel discouragement. You feel emptiness. You feel vulnerability. You feel afraid. You feel lonely. Let the perfect priest bring you perfect peace. Receive that today. Receive that today. Lord Jesus, oh, we thank you. And we offer you the fragrance of our thanks today. Like, like the aroma of incense, the frankincense rising, Lord, as we say thank you. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for New Testament grace. Thank you, Lord, for freeing us from the lies of the enemy, for grace that washes over us. Thank you, Lord, that what we hear today is that we are forgiven and loved and made perfect in Jesus. And thank you, Lord, that you did not stay distant. You did not stay aloof. You did not bring us fear. You brought us a baby, precious and loving to be near. And so wash over us, O oh Lord. Wash over us, Jesus, with your perfect peace. And we give you praise today. In Jesus' name, amen.